I know that if I leave you people, you will still want to keep keep eating from this table. But a part of me feels like we ended the class yesterday and um, we did a lot of uh, dissecting and we broke, we ended with communion. So if you know anybody who should be here, let them know now that I have started teaching <clears throat> and today's class is going to be for just an hour and we will end. Um, the most critical thing, so a couple of things before I go on, I, I don't want to forget to invite you guys. So I have two courses that I am releasing this year. Um, I have The Shift. I have written a book from here to there. And the book will be available in two weeks to buy. So when it comes on to be bought, please make sure you buy the book for your own good. The book is on transitions and how to make successful transitions. But I do a lot of teaching and a lot of um, breaking down principles on how you can effectively, accurately transition without actually um, falling out of alignment with God. And how not to get stuck in seasons you know, but how to maximize each season. So I have that book coming out, but um, I also have a course called The Shift, how to make successful transitions and leverage on them, you know, for your advancement and kingdom advancement. The Shift will hold on the, the third weekend in April. So the weekend before we go to Botswana, Botswana is the last weekend of April. The Shift is the third weekend of April. Um, the shift costs um, $197. So that's the least amount that I have run my courses for. My courses usually are $497, but I'm making it that because I want as many of you as possible that God is calling to understand transitions, seasons, um, moving from you know one time of life to another time of life. I'm inviting you guys. My courses generally come with materials, with guides, with workbook, you know, with all of these things that you need, you know. So it's not just me sitting in front of a computer and teaching. There's a whole, you know, academic stuff behind it. So I want as many people as possible that are here to sign up for that course. I want all of us actually to be there, you know, as much as you can, you know, let the Lord um, lead you. But I'm inviting you to... So for three days, I'll be teaching. I'll be you have work and you know a schedule of things that you have to do. I'll be giving you different materials that you can use for your growth. Um, so yeah, yeah, you can go to EC Benedicta Institute. It will open up today at about you know 6 p.m. So you can go ahead and sign up when the course opens up today. Um, like I said for everyone here and now if you sign up now this month you can get a course for 197 but i'm sure that by next month my team will take it up so i advise you to get it by this month and invite people to get the course let's do some good training on transitions and um, how to make sure that in every season of life how to recognize really that god is calling us to different seasons and how to maximize the seasons so, um, Pastor Stephanie, can you just put EC Benedicta Institute um, <clears throat> com the site, and then if you can help me contact Sylvia and tell her to make the course live so that people can start to purchase it tonight from 6 p.m. Thank you, Pastor Stephanie.
Okay. So um, a couple of things real quickly that I want to just touch and information I need to share um, before we go. Because uh, yesterday, I mean, the Lord was not going to let me rest. It was a sin. I was not the one that taught the class. It was like the Lord, in the midst of me teaching you guys, the Lord was teaching me also, you know. So there was a lot that I took in um, yesterday. And I ended up praying through the night and just asking Jesus for um, his help, his strength, his grace, um, his power, you know. Um, but most especially for the ability to be true to be real, to be open. Um, <clears throat> so I just want to give us a couple of things we can go with, you know, about this system of the snake and the scorpion and how to overcome it. So there are a couple of things we already know that the snake represents different things. One of the things that the snake represents is sin. Now, in John 3, 14, it says, if I have told you earthly things that you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man had ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And, Mos as, Mo and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So now you realize that Jesus is our gateway and our connection to eternal life. Without our belief in Christ, it is impossible to access eternal life. Now, I want to correct something here very quickly. Many people think eternal life is the life we enter into when we die. And many people measure eternal life by reason of time. Eternity is not measured by time. Eternity is not eternity um, because it is endless time. You cannot measure the weight of eternity. Neither can you measure the weight of eternal things by time. Time is not a measurement of eternal things. So endless time is not eternity. And endless life is not the definition of eternal life. Eternal life in itself is a different kind of divine construct that speaks about who we are in Christ. And it speaks about the life that Jesus has. So when the Bible says, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life, it's not saying the person will live forever more, but eternal life is a nature of the divine ones that have not fallen or have not been rebellious against God. So it's a kind of nature. It's a kind of life. It is not a life that does not end. That's not the definition of eternal life. It's not that a life that does not end. So I needed to hear me. So it says, whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So eternal life is what you start manifesting from here. While you are still on this side of eternity, you start manifesting eternal life. But what is the key or what is the access way to eternal life? The Bible says it is your belief in Christ. Now, um, your belief in Christ is very important. That's why yesterday we had to go on our knees and say, Lord Jesus, I receive you back into my heart. I receive you into every corner of my life, every corner of my being. And, you know, you may listen to that teaching and think, ah, oh, P.I., 
were we not born again? Is this class not ready for born again? He says, yes. But the Bible says when Jesus returned, will he find faith in the earth? So that means one of the most scarce commodity that you will find on the earth when Jesus returns is faith. So the question is, how can you have so many churches? How can you have such widespread evangelism? Remember, the Bible also says that in the last days, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. His sons and daughters will prophesy. So we have said from that scripture that there will be a global revival by the time that when it is the last day. If there is a global revival, that means there is a global harvest of people. How can there be a global harvest of people and yet faith will be scarce? How can it be a global harvest of people and yet there will be no faith? The Bible also says, in the last days, men shall be lovers of themselves. The Bible began to speak of many things that men will be. How can these same last days that everybody will have access to the spirit be the same last days that people will be lovers of themselves and be the same last days that faith will be scarce? That is to tell you that the presence of the Holy Ghost does not necessarily equate to alignment with God. The presence of the Holy Ghost or the presence of the outpouring of his spirit does not necessarily take away your selfishness or your self-centeredness. Neither does it equate to the fact that people will have faith. So you can have the Holy Spirit and still not have faith in God. So the things that God gives to us are things that you maximize by reason of your pushing and your pressing and your agreement that everything that God has given is yours and you are ready to pay the price to enter them. So the only way you can access all the things that God has given to their fullness is that you must believe in Christ, but you must stay believing. Those are two different things. You have to stay believing. So every day that you wake up, ask yourself, do I yet believe? Am I still in the faith? If Christ returns today, well, am I the one that he will find worthy to ride with him in the skies? Will I be part of the marriage supper of the Lamb? Or am I part of the church that he will come back and meet during the reign of the, Anti uh, um, during, um, the Antichrist reign? So you have to make sure that you organize yourself properly and your spirit and you work out your salvation. Now, what does this have to do with the spirit of the snake and the, the, the serpent and the scorpion? Remember, the scorpion will do it as a training, maybe next month we can organize something like this again pastor stephanie where you give me one week to teach again maybe on the scorpion if you want that please let me know in the comment section but um what does this have to do with the spirit of the the snake or the spirit of the serpent um it is because you have to recognize that this was the first spirit system and technology that was released from the pit of hell. And what was it that the spirit came to do? What did it do? It took away eternal life from Adam and Eve. Remember, I told you eternal life is not endless life, but it is a state of life. So endlessness of that life is part of it, could be part of it, because think about it, it ended for Adam and Eve. So eternal life does not equate to the fact that it can never, ever, ever end. That's not it, because in eternity, there's no measurement of time. It is merely existence, the being, being, you know, so eternal life is a state. So Satan came and took away that state of divine wholeness and perfection in God. The complete representation of the image and likeness of God was what Satan came and stole from them and deceived them into losing 
Now, Jesus comes to give us back eternal life. So Jesus becomes the gateway and the doorway. What was the thing that took it away from man in the beginning? You know, the Bible says, let he that thinketh his stand, take heed lest he falls. So that means that in no matter what, at every point in your life, you must always never underestimate the wiles of the enemy because the very pattern of deceit and um, or of temptation is the very same pattern that he used in Genesis is what he keeps using throughout scriptures. Now, so it was the spirit of the serpent that was the first thing that was released from the kingdom of darkness to deceive and to derail man. So that means the serpentine spirit is always targeting the eternal life of believers. He wants to make sure that here on earth, you can be deceived into thinking you are saving Jesus. Just make sure that you never ever enter into the fullness of the image and the stature of the Son of God. He never wants you to manifest that fullness. So an eternal life, in as much as it's a state, but it's a state you grow into daily. You grow into the understanding, into the possibilities of what is in this package for you. And the way that you access it is through your belief. You need to believe. You need to believe. Believing in Jesus is not just believing in his lordship, but it is also by reason of knowing that he is Lord, doing all the things that his lordship requires of you. So if his lordship requires of you to believe the best of people, you have to. If his lordship requires of you to Make sure you think of only things that are pure, things that are worthy of emulation. You have to. So it is not just saying, oh, I believe in Jesus, have eternal life. It, it will not manifest, that life will not manifest through you if the conditions that comes with receiving Jesus, if you don't meet with, with the conditions on a daily basis. So you will be merely somebody that has the key to open a door, but you are always standing in front of that door, holding the key, dangling it, but never accessing what is in the room. Your ability to submit to Christ by, by through your belief and the actions you take in your belief, that is what gives you access into all the things that eternal life has to offer. And so that's what Satan is targeting, that you never access the fullness of eternal life. So, but how does this serpent turn spirit do it? He targets the heart and he will make you derail from God's command to miss the mark. So the serpentine spirit represents sin. It represents missing the mark. And when you miss the mark, your heart stops believing and obeying Christ accurately. And when you do that, you reduce the amount or the depth of God's eternal life that you have access to. That is one thing that the serpentine spirit comes to do. Targets your heart, targets your heart, targets your heart. Don't ever forget what I'm saying. Remember yesterday, I taught you guys when the venom enters the system, it enters the bloodstream and the venom of the serpent is going straight for the heart. As it moves through the bloodstream, it is targeting the organ and the machinery that controls blood pumping through the system. And that organ, that machinery is the heart. So if it can stop the heart, then it can stop the entire human being. So there are many people who are actually no longer living out God's command for them because their hearts died five years ago. And so it has stopped pumping blood. So what they have is a reality that is actually devoid of the life of God. So they claim to believe in Christ, but they have lost the faith.
because you know that you have faith in God by the amount of works that you do. And I'm not talking about work of, oh, uh, fellowship, uh, arranging chair, no. But I'm talking about the works of love, the works of truth, the works of peace, the works of humility, the works of graciousness. All of these things are part of the manifestation that your heart is still intact with the Lord. So be careful. And it says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, remember, I taught this yesterday, the serpent kept biting the people and God did not stop the serpent from going for the heel of man, but rather God gave man a solution by lifting up the serpent on the stick in the wilderness, you know, so that became the salvation of all that were being beaten by the serpent. You know, the serpent never stopped, stopped biting them, but by reason of what was lifted up, you know, it became their salvation and their deliverance. But what was lifted up was Jesus, but not Jesus the Christ as we know it, but Jesus that bears, that bore sin in, on his body. So that was the serpent. So the serpent represents sin. It represents sin. It represents sin. What made the serpent be released over the children of Israel in the wilderness? The Bible says they were complaining. They started complaining. They started complaining against God and against Moses' leadership. They started complaining, you know, and saying that God's commands are grievous. God's ways are grievous. He's not faithful. He's not meeting his end of the bargain. And remember what happened to Adam and Eve. They began to say, hey, God, is it not you? You are the one that gave me the woman. You know, so just because you you can justify a bad action you are taking because you feel you feel you are justified because of something you feel God did not do or God did not meet his responsibility. Just because you feel like that does not justify a wrong action you take because at the end of the day, God is the judge and the judge is telling you he is good. So if you say that he's not good and you go and do what you want, you want to do, then you are foolish because who fights with the law? Who battles with the law and the lawgiver? And the law himself, you know. So we have to be very careful. So the serpent is always trying to pull us into sin, which is to miss the mark. So we deviate, you know, just one degree from God's way, from God's command. We miss the mark. And remember, the Torah means to hit the mark. The Torah, which is um, is translated in the New Testament to mean the word of God. But the Torah, where all the books, you know, in the Old Testament, the books of the prophets, that's called the Torah. But the meaning of the word Torah is to hit the mark. So the only way that you can escape sin is that you receive the word of the Lord. That is the adjustment of your spirit and your soul. It is the compass that adjusts you to ensure that you always hit the mark with Christ. So you need the word constantly in you. So one way to fight the serpentine spirit is to have the word of God fill your soul consistently. Have the word fill your soul consistently. The word is one weapon by which you correct the misalignments that the serpentine spirit wants to bring in your life. It will not make you deviate completely. He just wants you to hold on to a little untruth. And that becomes the very thing that leads you away from God after a period of time. So for you as a believer, you have to constantly adjust your compass on a daily basis. And what is your adjustment machinery or mechanism? It is called the word of God. You measure every position in your life 
by the word. If you receive the volume of the word, you will be able to push out the deceit of the serpent. I hope we're still together. Um, so it says in 2 Corinthians 21, it says, and all things are of God who had reconciled us to himself, Jesus Christ, and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation to which that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them that had committed unto us the word and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You listen to verse 19 again, 2 Corinthians 21, 19. It says, to which that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us this word of reconciliation. So every time I sit in front of you and I am teaching you, I am releasing the power of the word of reconciliation. I am releasing the power of reconciliation that pulls you back into God and makes sure that Every part of your life is reconciled unto God. Perhaps you had been dealing with a sin, you had been dealing with a loss, you had been dealing with a deceit, and God had told you, it's okay, you can be a Christian and still be doing menage de toi. You can be a believer and be a lesbian. You can be a Christian and still be giving bribe. All of these things are little deviations from truth because Satan hopes that if he can entrap you in one lie, because remember what he said to Eve, you shall not surely die. Just do it. Don't worry. You will not lose your eternal life. It shocked Eve how low she fell after she obeyed the serpent. But the Bible says that there is a word of reconciliation. This word of the Lord, this word concerning Jesus, this word that I'm pointing you to Christ to remind you that there is someone who is the totality of everything we are contending for. If you are in love with church, if you are in love with crusades, if you are in love with meetings, but you are not in love with Jesus, you are in error. If you are in love with ministers, you are in love with preaching, you are in love with a mantle of Deborah, but you are not in love with Jesus, you are in error. All things must point you back to the heart of Christ. Everything must make you go back to loving Jesus. Everything must make you go back to seeking on how you can please the master. This is the word of reconciliation. What does it mean to reconcile? That means you and somebody you were fighting. You are the person you could not talk. When you sit in the same way, you just want to get up and leave. Even if they put both of you in the same house for 24 hours, you have nothing to say to each other. You are covering yourself from the person. The person is covering themselves from you. You are, you, are, you are engaging with the person with half measures. But it said to reconcile means that, okay, this is the areas where I debited you. This is the areas where I believe I credited you. And you to say, these are the areas where you are a debit. These are the areas where I feel you did good. Okay, can we reconcile our books? Okay, where did this five naira go? Okay, this time that you said this thing, why did you say it? What of this other time that you beat my child and you were not supposed to? Uh, I sent somebody to you to ask you to give me water. You didn't give me the other day. Okay, why did you? And you people sit down and reconcile. And in the spirit of truth, you come back into unity and oneness. It says there is a word that reconciles us back to God. 
Because what happened between Adam and Eve was God said, Adam, where are you? You and I are not the way we used to be anymore. But in Jesus, we are reconciled back to God. We are reconciled. Jesus is that table that we sit upon to converse with God the Father. Jesus is also that water we drink during the conversation. When one person is coughing, that water they give you to drink is Christ. Jesus is also the standard that we put on the table. That third party that says, okay, okay, you don't stop shouting to you now talk jesus is the one that reconciles us back to god so that in god we now become beneficiary of all the blessings that he placed in adam and eve and once again we can walk in that life that authority that power that he once promised man and have that same grace for dominion so outside of christ there is no reconciliation to the promises of god outside of christ there is no possibility of walking in the fullness of god so you if you are a christian that is in love with everything else that christ has to offer but you are not in love with Christ, the one that reconciles you daily to the Father, then you are in error. You are actually being deceived because for a system of deceit to work, it has to have reward. It has to have recognition. It has to have promotion. It needs to give the people something to keep them believing in the deceit. So this the same thing as people that do um, Ponzi schemes, you know, what they do is they will give you money for a period of time. You know, they, it, the system has to keep running, so there must be reward. So Satan, you wouldn't, you, you, the, you should not know you are being deceived if you are really being deceived. You should not know. So, but it is when the word of light comes and the word of light begins like a knife, it begins to cut through your conscience, begins to cut through your ways, begins to cut through the days that you too, you behave like a serpent. There's never truth in your mouth. You can never pass the front door to have a conversation. If you tell somebody, ah, it's okay, it's really not okay. You know, all of those things, the word of God begins to throw it up. The fire of the word begins to show you that, ah, you are in partnership with this thing. And anything that you partner with is what we reward you. Satan does not give anything good. Comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. This is the end of your partnership with him. Or you better stop it now because it will end in your destruction. It is in Christ. So it says in verse 20, 2 Corinthians 21, 20, now we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pay you, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Who was he talking to? He was talking to believers. He was talking to believers, yet he said, I beseech you that by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. He says, we are standing in the place of Jesus and we are asking you to be reconciled to God. For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made righteousness of God in him. So I need you to understand. He says, now we are ambassadors of Christ. So this was the apostle speaking and say, I am a representative. If you see me, just know that it is, I am speaking on behalf of my master. I am an ambassador of Christ to you right now. You know, he says, as though God is beseeching you. So just see that these things I'm saying, it's like God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, is the one calling to you and beseeching you and almost like begging you and cajoling you and saying, hey, use Jesus Christ, enter into him and through him be reconciled to God. Make sure your books are balanced with the Lord. 
You cannot balance any book with God without Jesus. One of the things I need you to do to, to do after this is study the Trinity. Study the office of the Trinity. Because for some people, as I'm saying this, you are thinking, ah, but maybe Christ is God, God is Christ, Holy Ghost. You know, yes, they are one and the same. The same way I can tell you that my husband and I are one and the same. But at the same time, we are different in our offices, in our designations, in our roles. We are different. You understand? It's the same way with Christ. We are one and the same in terms of what we are trying to achieve. But the role each one of us needs to play to achieve that same vision is different. So Holy Ghost, Jesus, and God play different roles in achieving the singular vision, you know, that God has, which is to reconcile all things back to himself. You know, so he says, we are ambassadors of Christ, therefore he had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So Jesus has become the very missing of the mark so that through him, we never have to miss the mark. So righteousness is not that, oh, you say nice things, you say kind things, but righteousness is actually, so righteousness is actually a person in a state and in a position where they are in accuracy. Righteousness is that you are not missing it with God. You are not trespassing. You are not transgressing. You are not breaking the laws, the boundaries, and the jurisdictions. You are not missing it with the Lord. So righteousness is not a feeling. It is not a uh, the way you sound. It is actually a sense of accuracy when it comes to obeying God. You look at the story of Noah, and God said Noah was a righteous man in his generation. Why was Noah righteous? He says, God gave Noah measurements on what to do. This is how I want to build the ark. I don't think anybody has given me that kind of amount of measurements for anything. Even if you are sewing a cloth, you don't have that much measurements to take. But God was so detailed on how to build the ark. So detailed on how to build the vessel that will save you from the pending flood that is coming upon this earth. The flood of God's judgment the flood of destruction, the flood of the Antichrist, the flood of satanic systems, the flood of missing the rapture. What will save you, what will make sure you enter that ark of rapture is that you build according to God's measurements. And God always has measurements. He has measurements, two cubits long, five cubits short, this expansive, this, use this particular wood here, use this particular there this must be at this depth this must be at this height god has measurements your ability to adhere to to follow to obey to submit consistently to the measurements of god is what earns you the right to be called a righteous man but the bible says in christ jesus we become the righteousness of god so that means when you enter Christ's well and Christ enters you, it becomes possible for every part of your life to adjust itself into the standard of God. So Jesus is not just a person you worship. Jesus is a life, is a ruler, is a tape. It is a standard. It is a compass that enters you and begins to adjust every part of you to meet God's standards. My question to you is, 
Have you received Jesus? Have you truly received Jesus? Has Jesus entered your life and dealt with everything? I told you guys I had to repent because a part of me has started to become weary asking the same people for money to do the vision. My pride, my arrogance, just being a human being. Why would I, why should I be calling and say, ah, Mr. This, Mr. That now, God has said Zimbabwe, God has said, in my, in my personal pride, I won't be able to do those things without having talked to anybody. And if you want to, God bless you. So because of that, I'd begun to hold back certain things. And when I saw the Lord moving in Kenya, ah, a part of me wanted to despise it a little bit to say, ah, why are the people coming? How will we do it? But I had to repent to recognize that, yes, there will always be people that will say, what is she doing? There will always be people that will think I'm ambitious. There will always be people that will think, eh, Nigeria is burning. Why is she doing programs outside Nigeria? There will always be people that will think, okay, eh, so how many dead people rose up? But you see, it is not my responsibility to explain God's measurements to people. It is my responsibility to follow it and to attain it and to finish it. However God wants to use the ark he's asking me to build, it is him that knows. Even when God told Noah a flood is coming, Noah's mind could never have conceived the depth, the depth of destruction that was about to hit the earth. The Bible says before then it had never rained. No, the Bible, yeah, the Bible said it had not rained. No. There was something. Pastor Stephanie, remind me. The people did not know what Noah was saying because I think it had not rained before then. So when he was saying a rain is coming, they were like, what is he talking about? A flood is coming. What is he talking about? Did you understand what he was talking about? So imagine if Noah got discouraged, if he got broken, if he got sad, and he was like, ah, you people, you have to believe me now. You people have to believe now. This work, I'm telling you, is God that told me to build it like this. Is God that told me to be. He would have lost it. So remember what Satan does. He just needs to derail you a little with the thing that is not really the heart of the matter. So are you more concerned about how people feel or your misjudgments that come from men? Or are you more concerned about honoring, obeying the Christ that is within you? Imagine if Noah was looking to the people. He would never have built the ark and he would have perished with them when the flood came. For some of you, your salvation is in the things that God has told you to do. What will keep you and your family, your deliverance, is in the assignments God has called you to. So you think you are Mute your mic. So you think you are serving God and you think you are the one working for God and you are the one giving your all and you are the, ah, this work, ah, this, this ministry, ah, pastor, you see has come again. But what you don't know, I'm sure when Noah's son were hitting that nail, and the father will send them, go and get go far wood, go and get this wood. The sons will be like, what kind of thing is this? I beg, just bring any wood. And, and he will say, no, we cannot use this wood. Please change it. Oh, no, 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 we cannot do the program like this. We have to. Ah, this woman's is too much. The sons did not know that the flood that was coming 
that ark is where they will be saved. So we have to be very, very careful to not allow the enemy derail us. And then you begin to play down on the strength of the assignment that will become your saving ark. You know, there was something, yesterday I had a long conversation with a, a man of God. You guys, I'm sure many of you know him, Theophilus Sunday. And for like three hours, we were just back and forth. Like the, I was like, oh my God. So we were just like encouraging each other, praying. And, and there was something he said. He said, woman of God, did you notice that the same results that the disobedience, the obedience of Moses would have brought is the same result that his disobedience brought. So God says, strike the rock once. Moses went and struck it three times. But guess what? Water came out. So his disobedience or his obedience did not stop the thing that God wanted to do from happening. So the question is, why was it important that Moses obeyed? Now, let me give you two scenarios. The people held Moses for giving them water because the people had no ability to know what God's consecrations were to Moses. They did not know that God was very specific about one time. So to them, their own definition of you did well is that you gave us water. So to some people's definition of ah, you did well, P.I., is that ah, you brought program, ah, you even prayed, blind eyes saw, hey, lame leg walks, powerful woman of God. But the question is, am I really powerful? The people will heal you and praise you and judge you based on how you meet their need, whether physical or spiritual. But God will judge you based on how accurately you executed his command. Two different things. So whose judgment should you be looking out for? Moses, so the results, I put it on my Instagram, that result is not the proof of God's approval. Results is not the proof of God's approval because God gives results for the sake of his people, but his servant stands judged by the measurements that God gave him. Now, you may listen to me and think, yes, God told me this, this ministry, I should do it like, I should, so I'm chasing God, nobody's going to blindside me, I am, I'm a strict minister of the gospel, I am adhering a swear. If only it was that easy. Sometimes God's measurement is you must love. Sometimes God's measurement is, please mute your mics, it's distracting for me. God's measurement is you must be humble. God's measurement is go back and beg that person. And you're like, oh God, yeah, look how they did it. Say, this person did 99 bad, but this person, this one good they did for you. You cannot act as if you don't know they did it. Go and beg them. Sometimes God's measurement is you cannot say a word. Shut up. Ah, but God, everybody is saying something this season. I must put out a word. God is like, shut your mouth. Don't say anything. So it's not as easy as Shouting and saying, I will never sing. Your people have to understand. When, when God commands you, you have to follow the It's easy to do all those ones. How about the commands that weaken us and belittle us? Those ones are important. So we have to be very careful because the judgment of the people is different from God's judgment. What really matters is God's judgment over man's judgment. When Jesus died, Hung as a sin offering on the cross and paid the price that would deal with the serpent for all eternity. How did men judge him? 
They said, look at you, weak. You can't save yourself. Where's your army now? Where's the power you have? That was man's judgment of what Jesus did. But God's judgment was my goodness. He actually did it. He died. God's judgment was my son in whom I'm well pleased. God's judgment was like, hurry up. Holy ghosts, go and meet him in hell and deal with Lucifer for this thing that he did. God's judgment was bring your blood quickly into the holy place. I accept your blood. Now sit down and I make your enemies your footstool. I will stretch forth your rod out of Zion. Hi, this was God's judgment. For man's judgment was look at him, weak. You can't defend yourself. You can't even talk. You can't even this one. That was man's judgment. So we have to be very, very careful and make sure that at every point in time, we are following God's judgment. Another thing about the separatized spirit is poisonous words is one of the marks of the serpentine spirit. Poisonous words. Psalm 58 verse 3 to 4. The wicked are estranged. Psalm 58 verse 3 to 4. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born. Speaking lies. So, hey. I can't believe this is the last day. Anyway, their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stopped her ear, which will not hack into the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Now, I, I, I want you to understand this scripture. Psalm 58, verse 3 to 4. Psalm 58. It says, the wicked are estranged from the womb. It says they go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Now, I could go on and on about the womb. In fact, I, uh, on Mother's Day, I started doing a study on the womb. And there are many things inside that whole study. And I don't want to be promising people anything again because that's how people start sending me DMP and PIU you promise us, you teach us about the womb. Look at now, our womb is here. Our womb is waiting for your message. I'm not promising anything, you know, because there's so much to teach. Honestly, sometimes I wish we could do this every day because I have too much to teach you guys. And I just feel sometimes that there's no time. Um, but there is something about the womb that collaborates with the crafting of the life, the nature, the soul, and the spirit of people that are born, the womb. And uh, I, I watched something recently where it was talking about there are 100, um, I think there are about 400 billion people that have ever lived on the earth, 400 billion or 100 billion people that have ever lived on the earth. And it takes... It actually takes a higher amount of computation and com possible combinations, higher amounts than that of possible combinations to create a human being. So with all the DNA and all the strands and all the things that have to possibly come together from all the smallest structures of cell up onto the manifestation of a human body, 
all the possible um, permutations that could come together to create a human being is actually much more than 100 billion. So when a human being is born, he is actually the product of the elimination of billions of possibilities. So when a human being is born, he is such a unique entity that he bypassed over a hundred billion possibilities to create the nose he has, the eyes he has, the hand he has, the leg he has. So he's a manifestation of the perfect will of God. God chose amongst many options of what he could be or become and chose a particular standard for his emergence. I need you to hear me, somebody. So that the next time Satan starts to whisper in your ear that you are nothing, you are no one, you are not worthy of life, remind him of this thing that I said today. And so he, here is the human being, one in one million, exactly. Here is the person standing and existing. But you see, inside of all those permutations and combinations are spiritual permutations, physical permutations, soulish permutations. Joe began to speak and he said, in my mother's womb, I was fashioned in iniquity. And when you check for the meaning of womb, it means many things. It means womb, womb, it means a hollow space. It means desire. It means hunger. It means anger. So in my mother's standing before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for lack of a better word, in her choice when she stood in front of the tree, I was fashioned. So all the permutations that led to her decision making was also imputed into me. And when I arrived as a human being, I arrived as the, as the combination, not just the physical combination of my father and mother, but also the spiritual combination and the soulish combination. I need you to hear me. It says, so when it is a wicked, it says the wicked are estranged from the womb. So how can you from the womb determine that the person is wicked? How is that possible? A child that has not been born and has not made any choices, how can the child already be estranged? You then realize that it is not necessarily what they choose when they arrive that determines who they are. Sometimes by reason of the permutations and combination that led to their selection, they already arrived at this world in wickedness. I don't know if what I'm saying, somebody is, my sermon is ceremony. You know, so that's why when we do things like deliverance, when we say things like repentance, when we say things like make your own covenant with the Lord, when I teach you about Jabez and the prayers he prayed, you need to understand why these things are critical. So by the time you stand in this life, you know you are standing upon your own individuality and you are standing upon the foundation and the rock that is Jesus. Not anything evil and corrupt or dark that was handed onto you by reason of how you arrived in this world. Because sometimes how you arrive can determine a lot, but the choice you make when you land is very critical. Very, very, very critical. So in the same way also, good is transferred. In the same way also, evil is transferred. Out of the same womb, Cain was born, Abel was born. One's heart was humble enough to say, my God, how can I present a worthy sacrifice to you? 
Another's heart was anything I give you, God take. One's heart was the manifestation of the part of Adam and Eve that still had a little reverence for the Lord and recognized that he alone is God. Another one's heart was the manifestation of the part of Adam and Eve that were rebellious and were prideful when they left the garden. So you give birth to that which you have embraced. Your children are usually a manifestation of the state of your heart. So you must ensure that even as a parent, from when they are in the womb, you are washing their head. You are declaring by the blood of Jesus that this one will not carry your troubles, will not carry your sins. You separate them and say, even though you are, you are, you are being formed and crafted in my physical womb, but I say to you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you are being crafted in the womb of the Holy Ghost. I am but a vessel that does not transfer anything negative to you, but I open the doorway to the good on the inside of me into you. My good will flow to you. Hi, I have to leave. Oh, guys, I have to leave. Anyway, Kema Suvra Higabara, Shande Boruko Sedi Kebahai, Savalinde Brene Kendos Koparia Daskoteveha, Karandas Kidebahai, Sharebaka, Ondebrakatila, Kariba Sonde Kreki Gadamatos Kivalahai, Sharabeyandanda Barande Kemoruske Pianda Varikaskotibra Hande Kedemaha. So it sounds so it says the wicked are estranged from the womb. It says they go astray as soon as they are born. So anyway, you understand. It says, ah, who is OP? I have to go. It says, speaking lies. So the fruit of their lips is already the fruit of the is already manifesting the fruit that their mother and father ate. He says they are born speaking lies. Remember what Jesus said to those people, those Pharisees. I can't remember one of all those their cases that they used to try to come and throw on Jesus Christ. As they came and said one to him, Jesus said to them, "Say you are like your father, the devil. You are like him, the serpent. You're, you're the liar. You are liars, and you are like your father because he's the king of lies. He's the master of all lies." You understand? So from the moment that Adam and Eve yield themselves to obey Satan, they became like his children. So the children they gave birth to became like their grandfather whose tongue speaketh lies. So that's why we are now translated into the family of God so that the children we give birth to will look like their grandfather who is God, our father. I don't know if this I'm saying makes sense to you. So in verse four, it says the poison, their poison is like the poison of a serpent. And they are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear. So the deaf adder, adder is a type of snake. It closes its ear. It says, um, it says, which has not hearkened to the voice of the charmer. So when the charmers are charming and blowing their flute, foo, 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 the snake that is supposed to just be balancing like this is still jumping up and down. The charmers are charming, trying to charm the snake. The check is not responding. He says it's called the deaf adder. He says, even which will not hearken to the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. He says, break their teeth, O God, and their mouth. Break out the great teeth of, long, of the young lions, O Lord. So let me explain this. Ah, 
have so much to teach you guys. So it says that um, the poison, they are poison. He said their poison is like the poison of a serpent. So you need to understand that this verse was talking to you about a certain category of people you need to be careful of. He calls them the wicked. He calls them the wicked. Now, you know, I, I, I usually say something that, that when disobedience or transgression or iniquity is now locked into culture and tradition, it becomes hard for you to discern that that thing is wrong. So what Satan must do is that, not even Satan, God and the kingdom of darkness is they work with culture. And I've been talking about culture, culture, and checking every culture, even the culture of, oh, I said something like as small as I eat at 3 p.m. Even that culture, check it. How does this result in godliness, in manifestation of godliness? Does it build up my temple? Because you need to understand something that you are the temple of the Lord. What does that mean? You are the you inhabit, you carry, and you host a spirit. God is a spirit, and you host a spirit. And let me tell you something about spirits. Spirits don't eat with fork and knife. Spirits don't eat with plates. Spirits don't need decoration to eat. Spirits eat from altars, and God is a spirit, and God only eats from an altar, and you are the temple of God. Inside of you is the altar of the Lord. So it is your altar that determines whether the Lord will eat from you or abide with you or live in your life. So that's why you must at every point in time fight for your altar because if the Lord is not eating from you, he's not enjoying you and he's not obligated to remain with you. Now, Holy Ghost center me. So um, in speaking about it, it says so there's a category of people that are called the wicked. And the reason why the wicked cannot tell that they are even wicked is because they were born into wickedness. They were born into it. So there are some tribes that celebrate certain things that are actually anti-God. There's a tribe in Nigeria that people joke about it all the time, but they say how these people are politicians. And they'll be looking at you and say, ah, yes, ah, my child, wonderful. Oh, yes, P.I. In fact, P.Y. behind, they know that that's it. They are not going to do it or they don't really support. But they can support as long as in that moment there's a benefit. And they're already planning how from that benefit they will springboard. And it looks wise to the physical eyes. But it is actually demonic and dark. Very, very dark. But you see, the problem is if you were born into that, it is natural and nature to you. If you even hear this, my sermon, it is irritating to you. Irritating to you to say, so are we not supposed to be smart? Or why is she insulting? Why is it? Why? Because it is ingrained in culture. It says the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born speaking lies. Why? Because they were born into it as a culture. So when you hear the wicked, don't think of somebody holding knife because wickedness is not necessarily, 
that you killed somebody. Remember what Jesus said to the serpents, the, the servants that both buried his talents and said, ah, you know, I will keep the talent. I will not use it. Let me return it. When the master came, he says, where's your profit? And he told the master, ah, I kept the talent. I know that you are, you don't take nonsense, master. So I just kept it. The master said, should you not have at least invested it? And when I come back, at least give me the investment or it's just something. But you kept it. He said, you wicked and unreasonable servants depart from me. You know, so Jesus called him wicked. Why? Because he did not invest in life and destiny. He did not multiply the grace and the talents that were placed on the inside of him. He did not give God back profits for the investment God made in his life. It took me combination. You bypassed over a hundred billion possibilities for me to make you. And you they return to me without giving me profit. Do you know what it took for me to create you? Jesus said, you are a wicked person. But that guy must have been called good. He must have been a, we called, ah, he's a careful guy, very meticulous. He doesn't take unfounded risk. He doesn't you know, let somebody do nonsense of him. He doesn't, to human beings, you would think he's smart. But to God, he's a wicked person. So you need to understand how the spirit of God defines wickedness. It is that you are not tov. You are not reproducing and multiplying the good that God has placed in the inside of you. So when he says the wicked are estranged from the womb, this means they are estranged from what? They are separated from what? The good of God. So he says the moment they are born, they are born speaking lies. Why? Because it's the culture. This is what they were born into. So everybody in the house speaks lies. He says they are like the poison, and uh, like the poison, the poison is like the poison of a serpent. What does the poison of a serpent does do? It goes to attack the heart. So these people, what they do is when they do you in Nigeria, we call it shege. Shege is a situation whereby somebody does something to you, and you are in shock, and you are shaking. You cannot believe that a human being can do that kind of thing. That's called shaky. He says, so this kind of people, they will show you shaky. And they don't even feel like they've done something wrong. Why? Because it's their culture. Do you understand? They were born into culture. Ah, you are laugh if you can't define shaky, define it for me. Because it's their culture. It says their mouths are like poison. It says their mouths are like poison. It's like the poison of the snake. Now, you have to understand, I talked to you people about the system of the snake and how you can be beaten by a snake, a poisonous snake, and you now become venomous. So you have to be careful that you don't become the carrier of that which beats you. So many people whose heart were broken, they become heartbreakers. Many people, even they've said it in psychology, that people who were abused are usually abusers. People who were raised by narcissists actually become narcissistic. Why? Because you usually carry the venom of that which beats you, you usually carry it on the inside of you. But there is another place where to solve some kind of snake bites, usually they take the venom of the snake from the bloodstream of somebody that it has beaten, and it is from the venom they create the anti-venom. So you have to understand that there is another option. Instead of you becoming venomous, you cannot become God's anti-venom for the very thing that beats you. I don't know if you can say. 
So yes, we may talk about the, 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 the room from which you have been crafted, but you may become God's anti-venom for all that come from that kind of womb. You may become the very one that God wants to use to cause correct the lives and the destinies of everyone that was born into that kind of pathway. So it is not all hope lost. In the Lord, there are always two possibilities, always multiple possibilities. Behold, I place before you life and death, but I encourage you, choose life. Behold, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but I say to you, don't eat of this tree. There is always, always a choice in the Lord. You just have to choose it. You just have to agree that the route you want to go is the route of Jesus. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't offer up sacrifices instead of obedience. Instead of offering up sacrifices, pursuing every man of God here and there, doing all the activities possible, obey the Lord instead. Obey in prayer. Obey in honor. Obey in faith. Obey in forgiveness. Obey in love. Obey in peacemaking. Obey in humility. Obey in truthfulness. Obey. Don't depend on sacrifices. He says that the tongue is like the tongue of, a, of, of the viper. He says when such people enter your life, he said when they sting, it gets to your heart. He says they don't listen to the voice of the charmers. He said, oh God, break their seats. Like a young lion that is jumping up and down that has not understood the rules of the pride. He said, God, deal with it. Break the teeth of the lion. Oh God, scatter the teeth in their mouth. Make it impossible. A lion that does not have teeth is actually almost 50% powerless. You understand? Because what will the lion use to bite is prey. He can use his claws to scratch, but how will he bite it and exercise authority and dominance over it? He says, oh God, scatter the teeth. Because such a venomous person is like a young lion. He says the solution to it is that God take away that which gives it authority and victory. Father, we pray that in the name of our Lord Jesus, that everyone that speaks poisonous words against us, that my God, you give us the strength and the capacity to fight, to deal with, to pull down, to tear down in the name of Jesus. Whether they speak poisonous word in, words in the spirit or in the physical, Father, we ask that you give us a defense that comes from your throne against it in Jesus' name. Poisonous words in the form of curses, in the form of malice, in the form of gossip, in the form of lies, in the form of judgment. Those that even come to speak poisonous words to you concerning me. My God, I ask that you rise up in my defense and that you will bring the justice of truth into the matter in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. And Lord, that you have mercy on us, that at any time when we have behaved like the adder and the serpent, that my God, you remove from us everything, oh God, that even looks like the serpent. Remove from us that nature of speaking words or activities or doing, taking actions that hit the heart of people, that break their hearts. Father, we pray that you forgive us. Forgive me for the people that I have harmed and I have hurt. And forgive me, oh God, for the ones that I didn't even know that I did that to. Lord, have mercy. Father, I pray that you retrace our steps and you will pull us back to the place of reconciliation, the, the, the ministry of reconciliation that is our original assignment. Pull us back to that place in the name of Jesus. 
It says, and the tongue is fire. James 3 verse 8. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our many members that is defiled, that, def that is that it defileth the whole body and set it on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell, and it itself is set on the fire of hell. It says that the tongue is fire. I hope somebody is saying Genesis 3 as I'm reading the scripture in James 3, 8. It says, and the tongue is fire. Remember the whole conversation between Satan and Eve and how I tell you people that Satan deviles you with the conversations he has with you. The tongue is fire, a word of iniquity. So is the tongue among the members that it defileth the whole body. So the tongue has the capacity to defile the whole body, to defile, to defile, to defile, to defile. It says, so it removes it from a state of virtue. So your tongue can remove you from your state of virtue. Another person's tongue can defile the body of Christ or even defile another person. You take away its virtue from it by the things that he says. So it completely discolors the life of another person. He says, and set it the course of nature, set it on fire the course of nature. So what God has said and appointed for times and seasons, it can consume it and make sure that the seasons of your life never come to pass as it's supposed to be. It sets the course of nature on fire. He says, but this same tongue in itself will be set on the fire of hell. That means there are some people that it's not necessarily the works that they did not do that will send them to hell. It is the things that their tongue did. Because of their tongue, they have to go to hell and burn with their tongue. So we have to be careful about our tongue and we have to watch the tongues of men. Watch a man's tongue. Watch their tongue. Watch their tongue because some people's tongue are fire starters. Starting fire. Starting fire. And remember what I told you people. The serpentine spirit will always cover evil with good. So it will present the good to you. That was all Eve saw. Eve saw the good, good for food, profitable to make our eyes, good for the eyes. So it puts the good and hides the evil behind the good. It says, for every kind of beast and bed of the serpents of things in the sea, tamed and had been tamed by mankind, but the tongue no man has been able to tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of the Father. Out of the same mouth is now proceeding blessing and cursing by brethren. These things ought not to be so. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> I have to go now. It is an honor to teach, to train, to empower you at every point in time. And I look forward to seeing you. And as you go, I want you to read a couple of scriptures on the serpentine spirit. And the system of the serpentine spirit also works with evil spirits. So look at Luke 10, verse 19. Um, which is where we started about Jesus saying, hey, you know, yes, this, you know, I've beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then he related it to, hey, snakes and scorpions. So there is that whole connection there. Um, the serpentine spirit also passes through the gateway of curses, existing curses in the lives of people. Um, um, read Galatians 3 verse 13. 
John 3, 14, it speaks of our curses. And it is a tempting spirit, always putting temptations in front of you. You have a friend that knows what your standards and consecrations are, but we always want you to go to the places that you have said you are not supposed to go to, the things you are not supposed to do. All of those things, a serpentine nature, tempting the boundaries of your consecration and God's command to you. Look at Psalm 91, verse 9 to 13, uh, Matthew 4, verse 6 to 7. Um, it is also a lying spirit. The serpentine spirit is also a lying spirit. Job um, 8, verse 44, look at that. It is also a spirit of deceit, deception. 2 Corinthians 11, 3 to 4, Jude 1, verse 4. Um, sorry, I'm just rushing through. It is also a spirit of hypocrisy. It's also manifested in hypocrisy. You know, so look at Matthew 3, verse 7 and Matthew 12, verse 34. It also represents poverty. So part of the ways that the serpentine spirit works is through the manifestation of poverty, bloodline poverty, poverty in bloodline and families. This one, I have to teach it to you guys. Um, the serpentine spirit also works through false prophets. <clears throat> false prophets. False prophets and false prophecies. Part of the yes, good news. Many people did not expect it. It was a case of a uh, uh, serpent and scorpion care. Hey, Congo, hey, somebody from Congo, so good to have you. But yes, at the end of the day, it's littered all over the scripture, littered all over our lives. <coughs> false prophets and false prophecies is something I have to teach. And also, it works through the spirit of seduction, it's also a seducing spirit. If you say that you wake up one day and you that you've been holy, you just can't break out of the desire to do something, be something, or you just woke up one day and you see that one girl is not letting you hear what you are, you this fall. It's as if if you don't fall the fall, you, you cannot have peace. Yes, Delilah, just know that you are under the attack of the serpent. Even though the person used to wear tattoo neck, long sleeve, and the girl is the one saying, but I don't know even, I don't want to be here. Even I don't want to do this. Like, I've never experienced something like this. Ah! It's just snake that is wearing tattoo neck. Fight it. Go into the place of prayer. Reject it. Uproot it. Go back into scriptures. Call for the... Spirit of light and revelation to flood your soul. You are under. Do you understand? You are under attack. Ah, Sister Odwak. It's true, man. It's snake that is wearing total neck. It's just here wearing total neck and long sleeve. You know, very good, intelligent person at work. You think it's human beings you are dealing with. But the spirits, because for many of them, they have used the spirit of the serpent to succeed. They've used it to get promoted at work. They've used it to grow their business. They used it for all their social media strategy. And it worked for them. The spirit of seduction, the spirit of lies. You promise to give what you don't, you know you will not offer. All of those things are lies. But they say it is acceptable workplace practices. But some workplaces are governed by the serpent. 
because all the practices in that organization are serpentine practices. They, are, they have nothing to do with the life of God. So their master is the serpent. But they tell you, ah, that's how to get ahead. Just promise, collect money. When you, you know that is not true. You know, so a lot of people are actually major partners with the serpent and they don't even know it. So, and anyway, anyway, yes. Yeah, so that strong spirit of seduction is part of um, the manifestation, you know, um, deception. It's also responsible for strife, strife in marriages. Strife. If you look at Genesis 3, Adam and Eve's problem began when Eve started talking to the serpent. The serpentine spirit is one of the things that is very responsible for strife in marriages. It comes to separate the conversations of husband and wife. You just realize that you have one friend that does not have, does not have, um, what's the word now? No fear in engaging with your home. The things that should be wholly sacred and separated, it has no, it just talks about you. So your husband, this is your wife, self. This is your wife. Ah, why should be behaving like this? Why should you have the audacity to talk about the person's wife? The person put her for table seven to you like rice. And then you, on the other hand, because you are afraid of the friend, you then tear the clothes of your wife or your husband in front of this other person. You naked your spouse to them. So the moment that that thing that brings division in a home and has the audacity to come between a husband and wife and break the boundaries of marriage is part of the ways the serpentine spirit works. So you have to um, be very careful. Hey, Zambia. So good to see you, Pastor Alice from Zambia. Um, also, we'll talk about the Python spirit. Maybe this is what we'll just do next month's prayer ring. You know, if Pastor Stephanie allows us. You know, another attribute of the serpentine spirit attack or manifestation is it produces double-mindedness. Double-mindedness, instability. You know, it makes you waver at the truth of God. It makes you waver. So you can't really go and do with strength. Um, another thing is witchcraft. You know, witchcraft um, is, is, is a colleague, a younger colleague, assistant to the separatized spirit. It works inside that system um, because the spirit of um, manipulation is like the spirit of witchcraft. And we know that the manipulator and the deceitful one is the serpent. So when you find yourself in manipulation and you find yourself corner corner, you know, just know that the serpent and witchcraft is not far from you. So many people open their, the doors of their life to being possessed by the spirit of witchcraft because they embrace the culture of manipulation and they embrace the culture of cunningness. So it makes it possible for you to be attacked with a witchcraft spirit. Um, yes. Well, you know, with that one, I could teach you from Exodus 7, 11 to 12, the whole, what really happened when Moses and Aaron were before Pharaoh and why the serpent and how Pharaoh called his own magicians. And they, you know, so there's a whole thing there we, we could talk about. All right. God bless you. We will, we will go deeper into it in the month of April and just finish the serpent 
serpent conversation. <laughs> All right. God bless you. Brother, they are here typing. Instead of you to be hurrying me up, you are part of the people I need to come and see. <laughs> Instead of you to hurry me up and be saying, P, I leave. Come, I'm waiting for you. Brother Day is uh, she in, in charge of our team here in the US, and she's such an amazing woman of God um, that has been so helpful. She runs a ministry called the SSS Woman, um, but God has used her powerfully to strengthen what we're doing here in People of Influence, Mantle of Deborah. So God bless you, Brother Day. We love and we appreciate you. Um, I told you guys two days ago to help me thank her and a lady called Bumi. They've been pro. If you open my fridge in America, you will think that I've been here for 10 years. See food. Anyway, so God bless you guys. Um, remember the shift, transitions. I want to teach you how to make transitions. Satan will not keep us in one place. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told some people today, I said, listen, if you want to look like a powerful person, don't leave the wilderness. I say, sure, you see. Because for them, Staying in the wilderness would have mean manna was still falling, fire was still surrounding them, cloud was still surrounding them, water coming for rock, sea signs and wonders. That would have looked powerful. So Moses should have done everything to keep them in the wilderness. You understand? So that they will look powerful. Uh, he would look powerful before them. But the truth is, signs and wonders and all those powerful things, it's not the sign that you are in God's promise. So they had to make a transition. But come and look at what the promise looked like. From the moment they left that wilderness, whoa, 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 did they fight war, fight war, fight war. The small miracle they managed to have, which was uh, Joshua stopping the sun, was miracle so that they could have time to, more time to fight. But you see, that transition was necessary. As much as it did not look as powerful as what they had in the wilderness but it was necessary for legacy to be established and for the eternal destiny of Israel and heaven to be established so many people don't know how to make transitions successfully how to be able to discern what am I entering what am I coming out of what is this about so that's what I want to do with you guys or that weekend, ah, Pierre, but why are you charging? It's a school, it's my course. I paid thousands of pounds to the person that helped me um, design and you know put together my materials. I paid think of it over a thousand dollars, you know, seasonally to host my courses. So there's a lot that goes into hosting a school. Um, so it's my course and it's my business, and I'm a trained and professional coach and teacher and mentor but I craft all my curriculums as God according to scriptures I teach wisdom according to scriptures every single thing I do according to God's way um but that course I believe is really critical because um we are a transitional generation and we're standing right in the midst of multiple transitions that are going to go on in the next seven years so we need to stand ready on how to engage it so make sure like I said it will be released today um, on the Thinkific site on ecbenedictainstitute.com um, by like 6 p.m. it should go live. And when it does, by, make sure you get the course before the end of the month. I will teach it live by myself um, in the next three weeks. But for next month, the price is going to go up. But I'm keeping it so for the rest of this month because of all of you here and in all the communities in POI. So encourage anybody who you know should get the course. If you think there's somebody, give it to them as a gift, you know, to be part of the course. And 
I will be ready for you people. And part of what I will want us to do before the course, like a week before, we're going to be fasting, we're going to be praying. You know, nobody's going to enter that course with carnal mind. We're going to engage so that by the time we're done after three days, God would have released power, transitional power and authority to you. And you also have physical hardcore materials that you can always go back to and use in different seasons of your life. All right. God bless you. And for my American people, I will see you tomorrow. My Kenya people, I will see you um, up on Saturday. Yes. In fact, there's a vigil on Friday with Reverend Harriet and on Saturday um, with um, it's the mantle of Deborah. And I'm going to share with you guys a dream that uh, Claire shared with me, you know, when as soon as I read the first part of the dream, my had goosebumps all over my body, because the first part of the dream, um, I wish Pastor Stephanie was here. I would have opened the dream for you people to see. So I'm here. You, okay, can you give me host sharing capacity? Let me just show these guys. Even me too, I too like gist. Eh? See me here, give people watch gist. I don't want to go. God have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord. Let me make you co-host. Okay, make me co-host. Let me show them. UK, UK, in the month of Chica, Chiklu, in the month of, um, what's the name? May, May 13th okay. in UK for Mantle of Deborah. Please, you people, join Sister Stephanie, connect anybody with Pastor Zika. Let them help her. Let them strengthen her hand to prepare for MOD in the UK. So please, let's do this together. You will see this dream. That's how Claire, our Kenya representative, now sent it to me last night. I said, Pierre, remember this dream? You had it during prayer rain um, in January. Imagine the first line of the dream. I said, so I had a dream last night and it was about Kenya. And I saw the mantle of Deborah Kenya this year. It happened quick. It happened suddenly. It wasn't one of those things we planned for like five months, six months, three months. It was just like boom, boom, boom. And it was so powerful. The power of God and the hunger, the prayer, intercession. You know, as soon as I walked in, I was like, so imagine a meeting that is meant to, I was like, wow. Imagine a meeting that is meant to start like six and at 6.45, you had a full hall of over 2,000 people. And they are not just there. You know, they are interceding, they are praying. And I remember in the dream, I walked in and I fell on the floor. I walked in and fell on the floor in the hall and started praying. I just started praying and praying. And I remember saying, um, Lord, I thank you for your revival. And I thank you, Lord, for a mighty anointing in this room. And I thank you, Jesus. And as I was praying, I was seeing waves of revival hitting the hall. And I was seeing healing. I was seeing people being delivered from demonic manipulations and demonic captivity. And I was seeing people being set free. And I just kept praying. We couldn't even go into an agenda for the day. We were all just on the floor. And you know that heavy sound of intercession? People praying, the hunger, it was so powerful. It was later after praying, I opened my eyes and I realized that what had happened was people had camped out in the hall like the night before. So I saw beds, blankets, duvets. It was like a camp out. And I was like, ah, why did they have to sleep here? And for them, it was a case of PI. We don't really send you. It's not about you. We are not even about to follow your MOD schedule. We are here because we are looking for something God is about to break out in the midst of us. 
So people were camped out and meeting. It, it seemed like it went over a day. It went into another day and people were there with their bunk beds and duvets and sleeping there and praying and just a mighty revival of God. I believe that the Lord is speaking about a season of revival that is about to hit Kenya. And I believe that God is speaking about the rising of his women and daughters in that land. I know we came from Mantle of Deborah last year. We prayed, we prophesied that Deborahs are rising into authority. He says, I said, but I believe that this year, the spirit of God is breaking out Deborahs, spiritual Deborahs from the course. And God is about to release a generation of women who carry power and weight in their voice. And God is releasing miracle workers, demon slayers. God is releasing mighty generals from the women in the church in Kenya. And he's changing the terrain of the church in Kenya. He's redefining what authority looks like. He's about to raise female apostles. He's about to raise female ministers of authority and depth and wisdom. But most especially, he's doing this grand work across the nation that is revival. Long and short of it, I talked about how as we were praying, I saw a lion walk into the room. I held the lion. <laughs> People of God, <laughs> this Kenya. So if you are here, you are Kenyan or you are anywhere around Kenya, be in Kenya on the 1st of April. Between me and you, I don't know what God, I, I can't tell you how it will be, but I believe God is about to do something powerful and um, something that is very pivotal and I forgot this dream or oh, not that I forgot make I not lie I I well I forgot recently but as at when I had the dream I had ginger I said okay yeah we are coming first quarter of the year and then when they gave me budget I just had temporary amnesia the budget just gave me amnesia you know I said ah it's not possible we can't really obey God in this manner. Maybe we'll obey him last quarter of the year when God has given me people that we say, P.I., come and take this $30,000. Come and take this $50,000. Come and take this $10,000. Bulk money. So I just said, we can't do it now, I beg. So what I was planning to go and do is 100 people small training. But do you see how God in his mercy pulled us back into his timeline? In his mercy, pulled us back into his timeline. You know, so I can't you see it's like the dream. No time to plan, no time. One week coming, we have not sorted out which venue. So it's me, I'm looking at Kenya. Kenya is looking at me. We are looking at each other. All of us are looking to the face of Jesus. So if you're in Kenya, support. Somebody has bought my ticket. God bless the lady, you know. So somebody has also given money, you know. So for, for decoration or something like that, give, give. We, to do this meeting, let me just tell you the truth. We need not less than $30,000. Let me be realistic, you know, with you. So even part of my course, most of my money goes back into the ministry. So all these courses I'm doing, buy it. <laughs> buy the course and help God, you know. Um, but if you're in Kenya, please don't let this happen without your participation. Call Claire. Pastor Bami put a number there that they can call. Call and give and support with anything you have. Anything. If you know Apostle Lee or Dennis, call them. Pastor Bambi, this link is not working. Give them a number that they can do in PESA to. Let them in PESA and give towards it. If you are outside of uh, Kenya and you want to give, there's a PayPal account. There's a way. 
who really wants to give will find a way to do it. But with this thing that is about to happen, connect with it. And if you come for, out from outside of Kenya, please let us know so that at least I can meet with you when you come. Well, I have uh, done the worst I can do in terms of my appointment. So, but let me not be like Adam and Eve who still hardened their heart and bounced out of the garden. Let me even be repentant. Let me go and beg Natalie. She's waiting for me. If any of you have Natalie Blake's number before I come out of here, help me beg her so that my footsteps can be buttered in mercy. All right. I love you guys very much. As you can tell, I don't like leaving you. Um, and I wish I could just teach you, teach you. I, I really want to give myself and my time to the teaching of the gospel. That is most important to me than anything else. The reason why I don't like events is it doesn't give time to teach. One hour. You are going. What can I teach in one hour? So these ones are more important to me than events. Let us be meeting. So I'll meet you guys again January by faithful lovers of the word. Um, prayer in January, I don't think we in can April. start. April. Hey, April. Uh -uh, this is me. April. I don't think we can start on the 1st because, yeah, I have a video 31st. And then the meeting is on the 1st, so it's a bit untidy. But I would say we can start on the 3rd, Pastor Stephanie. So let's start on the 3rd. And we okay. can do a good one week, you know, of praying and waiting on the Lord. Or we can start on the 5th, because I, I, I get back to Nigeria on the 5th. Or we can start on the 6th. Whichever one works. So Pastor Stephanie will let us know. Okay, but Pastor Stephanie, make sure you're following God's measurements. Don't follow normal itinerary. Ask the Lord which one he wants. Okay, God bless you. Thank you. Bye. Apostle, God bless you.